Hello and welcome. I'd like to introduce Dr. Sandra Viserius, Professor and Tory Research Chair in the Department of Sociology and the Director for the Center of Criminological Research here at the University of Alberta. Sandra has specialized in qualitative research and initiated multiple projects focusing on the experiences of marginalized populations. From her ethnographic work in Germany with second-generation immigrants engaged in drug trafficking to directing Canada's largest mixed-method study of lived experiences in prison, Sandra demonstrates the importance of engaging in empirical research. Sandra, thank you for taking the time out. Why don't you tell us a little about these current research studies or future projects you're working on? I'm currently doing the official evaluation of the school resource officer program in Edmonton with a colleague from Carleton University, Kanika Samuels, and a colleague from the University of Toronto, Scott Workley. I am also directing the University of Alberta Prison Project, which is an extensive multi-method study on prison life in Canada. And I'm planning on expanding the UAPP, as we call it, to start a project on community reintegration. Having directed the UAPP for many years now, I have always been struck by what happens when people return to their communities. The super sad reality is many people in our sample, especially in the provincial system, see prison as a place of temporary refuge. This is absolutely not an argument for prison. It's a reflection of how much the often celebrated social welfare state of Canada fails people in the community so that prison, unfortunately, becomes better than the alternative of living outside of prison. So when we're looking at releasing people from prison, I think we need to pay much closer attention to what support systems are in place in the community and where these support systems might fail. So do community engaged longitudinal work and systematically study where our society fails to reintegrate recently released people. And I want to say, of course, we do have services in place with respect to housing and food and mental health support, medical support, treatment options. But there are many barriers to smooth transition from prison to the communities. So it is these processes and barriers that I'm interested in, and I hope inform policies to remove such barriers. What do you find the most challenging about doing research in prisons? I think one of the biggest challenges, for me anyways, is to build a team of researchers who are capable to build rapport with people from all walks of life. Like yourself, Ashley, you're fantastic at that. So we have to choose research assistants who will be able to meet anyone as a human being, independent of what that person may have done to others, may have caused harm to others. And likewise, we need to have a team that is able to listen to often horrendous victimization stories that our participants have experienced about extremely traumatic childhoods uh, characterized by the influences of Canadian colonialism, childhoods spent in multiple foster homes and residential schools. So when you have interviewers who are shocked by those stories, which is understandable, our participants will stop talking because most people don't want the other person to be uncomfortable or to be shocked. It's just a human reaction. And it is also important to walk the line between staff who are essentially part of a system that they do not necessarily agree with either and face lots of challenges every day and the people who are incarcerated. So when choosing research assistants, we need to pay attention to whether or not they can walk that very fine line, that somewhat neutral line while being in prison. 
prison is a super complicated research space and you are often dependent on things you cannot influence. So for example, codes go off and you might need to leave right away. Uh, there's always the question where we can interview. So can we interview on a unit? That's usually very easy because we can just be there. However, sometimes we are dependent on staff escorting or uh, prisoners to the interview rooms. So when doing prison research, I also need to build a team of research assistants that can be flexible. In terms of teaching, what is your favorite course or seminar to teach? I think my favorite course is probably qualitative methods. I really am a methods geek at heart, and I absolutely <laughs> love teaching uh, students the basics of how good research should be designed and how it should be executed. I think that's super important for students who go on into, for example, policy positions and will be asked to make recommendations for topics based on research findings. I also hope that students learn how to design a research study, how to conduct interviews, how to code interviews, so, so that they can really go away from my course and have solid understanding on how to execute or build their own project. As the director of the Center for Criminological Research, what was the intention behind the center? Yes, yeah, so the Center for Criminological Research is the only such research center in Western Canada, and our objective is to develop critical empirical insights into Canada's criminal justice system, into the organizations themselves, so those who work in the system, and also those who encounter the system and make experiences with the criminal justice system that are shaped by their race or indigeneity, gender, sexual orientation, social economical status, and other factors that contribute to their exclusion and marginalization in Canadian society. Our focus is really on doing theoretically informed empirical research to create databases that allow us to inform policy changes that benefit marginalized groups and key stakeholders. And all of us understand the center as a think tank that essentially brings together stakeholders and academics and students. And we want to share our research findings with stakeholders early on so that they can hopefully use our findings to translate them into best practices. What does collaboration with community members and stakeholders actually look like? The creation of the CCR was actually supported by many different community stakeholders, like the Institute for the Advancement of Aboriginal Women, but also justice organizations, the Edmonton Police Service. And we are hoping to be relevant for stakeholders in several ways. So we are engaging with stakeholders to see whether there are possibilities for partnered research or whether they have particular research questions that researchers from the CCR could work on. One example is the school resource officer evaluation that is going on in Edmonton right now. Um, mm -hmm. We were approached as the CCR as to whether or not some of us have an interest in working on that. We are also running a speaker series in which which we are trying to translate our findings for both academics and stakeholders and engage stakeholders in conversations about our findings that may be relevant for them early on. Unfortunately, much of the in-person planning had to be put aside because of COVID-19. So we're, <laughs> we're hoping to be able to do some of the engagement work in person, more so once the pandemic has hopefully subsided. And so I guess for students who are interested in continuing their education through the center, what expectations do you have for prospective students or advice to give? 
Well, I would always advise any student, whether or not they are associated with the CCR or not, find professors that they can work with who are engaged in research. If they want to be involved in the CCR, I would advise them to come to the speaker series and to see whether or not they can work with some of the professors who are active in research, and I think all of us are, who are associated with the CCR. Say you didn't enter into academia, what profession would you have entered into? <laughs> I always wanted to be a psychoanalyst, actually. So I <laughs> even started the psychoanalytical training at the same time as I started my PhD, which is not recommendable. Uh, and I actually only started my PhD because a professor who then became my supervisor sort of told me that I should, and then I felt I should probably try it. I never intended to be a prof or stay in the academy. I, in fact, I knew nothing about it. But then in 2005, I met my future husband who lived in Toronto, and I sort of figured it would be easier to become a professor in a foreign country than a psychoanalyst in a country where I didn't speak the language. You know, I wasn't a native speaker. So I started writing my first articles, and that's why I'm here. Do you have any hobbies that you enjoy? I absolutely love the mountains. I will take any opportunity for going hiking, but I love any other outdoor sports too. So mountain biking, running, cross-country skiing. I used to swim competitively and coach for years, but that's in the past. I also love reading non-academic shitty novels. Um, <laughs> love watching my kids play sports and their instruments. There's lots of music in our house. Do you have any pets? I do have a rescue dog, um, Jasper, uh, after the mountains. Mm -hmm. Our oldest son wrote us persuasive daily letters promising he would take the dog for a walk every morning before school, rain or shine. And so eventually we gave in. It's a fair reason. <laughs> <laughs>